0: and sing on those promises.
1: at that for a minute. That's another song. Okay. (laughs) Isaiah 12, 5 says, sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful that we can come together and sing your praises. And Father, as we're gathered here this morning, I pray that we just lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the blessings we have in you. And Lord, I know sometimes we come in here with a lot of baggage. It's been dogging us through the week. But Lord, I pray this morning we can just lay that at your feet and just grow closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good, morning. good to see you today. We're glad to come together to worship today and glad that you're here with us. Before we continue singing this morning, make sure sometime that you fill out your connection card. For those who are watching online, we ask that you do the same. And at this time, we're going to continue lifting our voices to the Lord together. Are you see it? have you ever been around a person who could talk a good game? You're laughing, you must have been. They'd tell you how great they are at whatever it was, and boy, they brag about it. They were the greatest. And I've seen this a lot in athletes. And, you know, when I was a kid a couple years ago, you know, whenever I competed in anything, I felt like I'm going to win. And it didn't always happen that way. And you have to have a confidence about you in life. You really do. But some people just cross the line. I used to love to watch boxing back when it was really good. Uh, That kind of stopped about 20 years ago, but um, I remember watching Mike Tyson fights, and I felt bad for the guy because of some of the people he got mixed up with. I think it messed his life up a bit at the time, but the thing about Tyson is he'd go up against an opponent, and some of them just would start mouthing off about how they were going to beat him. I think one of them called him a little girl, and just all kinds of stuff, and you know, and Tyson would get in the ring and he'd stare him down, and you could almost kind of see the person starting to think, I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> now, if I'm gonna get in the ring with Mr. Tyson, even at his age, because he's about my age, I'm gonna be very respectful. Uh, and, but, but the truth be known, I wouldn't be very confident. I'm gonna run as fast as I can around that ring. I don't want that dude hitting me. But some of these fighters with the biggest mouths that talked the biggest game when they got in the ring, and after they woke up, not knowing what truck hit them, many of them retired many of them were never the same and the person they thought they were going to destroy the person they were so thought for sure they were going to take apart they couldn't do it they wrote a check with their mouth that they couldn't cash and the lesson is if you're going to talk the talk you better walk the walk or you're going to look kind of foolish now if we take this thought into our faith um that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. And it's entitled True Religion. Honestly, I don't like the word religion. I really don't. I should have just changed it to true faith, but the graphic looks really good. So we'll live with it. But I I honestly, as Christians, I don't think many of us go around bragging, I'm a Christian. I I do it all right. I'm better than you. Man, you are going to hell, but look at me. Follow my example. I'm the man. I, I don't think we do that. But when we clothe ourselves with Christ... Something about us has to be different. And this begs the question, or questions, such as, what does faith look like? How should faith change my life? Does faith change the world around me for the better? In other words, because of my faith and the impact it has, am I making the world a better place? Today we're going to embark on a five-week series from the letter of James, and we're going to answer some of these questions as we move through the teachings that James gives us about faith in action. This is really practical theology for all Christians, especially for those who are younger and for those who are new believers and followers of Christ. Because with one, with the teachings from, excuse me, with one teaching from each chapter of James, and we're not going to cover the whole book, we're just going to hit high, we're going to highlight one out of each chapter. I encourage you to read through the whole book, And discover what true faith or true religion really looks like. Honestly, James is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible, and it's honestly not that the rest of the Bible is not practical, because it is, but James, man, that message is really where the rubber meets the road. James is not filled with complex concepts or great theological writings, but rather it's very simple, down-to-earth counsel. Things that anybody at almost any age can read and understand and not have to think, well, what's that mean? The big idea to the message is quite simply this: True religion puts words into action. We're going to be in James chapter one, verses 19 through 25, and we'll start with verses 20, or excuse me, 19 and 20 this morning it says this. "Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Let every person be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. So our first observation this morning is, it's, it's just, it's a difficult command. I wouldn't say that I like these two verses because they are so practical. I mean, look at what he just told us. He's, you know, he's like, you know, <clears throat> quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I mean, that seems so simple, doesn't it? And it's easy to do, isn't it? That's why I don't like it. <laughs> but this passage, what James is saying, he says, listen, if you're a person of faith, <clears throat> if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, one of the way, this is one of the ways that my faith, or if you will, religion, I'm just going to use faith, should impact my life. Honestly, on my own, without the help of God's spirit within me, <laughs> I can't carry out this command. I really can't. I used to have a horribly violent temper. I would—I had a hair trigger. I know why all that happens now. It's not to do with my family. It's all me. But I had a very fast-acting trigger. I was not doing very well. I would be like, I would go off like a stick of dynamite if something got under my skin. So I would let I'd get so angry that I would be, I would not listen to reason. I would be very slow to listen and very quick to speak and extremely quick to anger. But part of me being a new creation in Christ, when I was baptized into him, was to let the Holy Spirit help me to grow away from this type of life, to grow away from this type of life. And These teachings are simple, but they're not. But when you have God's spirit within you, they can happen. Let's break down verse 19. What does it mean to be quick to listen? Who are we to listen to quickly? Well, in the context of verse 18, when we go back, which we didn't cover, but I'll bring it up, it says, "...by his sovereign plan he gave birth to us through the message of truth, that we would be a kind of first fruits of all he created." And so then as you go right into verse 19, the direct context here is we're, we're supposed to be quick to listen to God and to his word. Because if we don't, if we end up kind of pretending to follow him, we'll have no idea what he wants us to do. We have to be quick to listen to God. It denotes an eagerness. It's not just, let me listen quickly, but it's an eagerness to hear and obey God's message. Hearing just doesn't mean it goes in the ear. It means that there's an output that says, what I heard made an impact in my life. Once we taste the wonderful blessings from God that flows down from us as, to us as a result of our obedience and his love for us, honestly, we should want to listen to him more and more. As we see, you know what, I listened to God in this area and look what happened, it was good. We should want to say, I want more of that. I'm eager, what's he got, what's up next? What's next on the agenda? <laughs> How many times have we been told something we didn't want to hear that we didn't hear, excuse me, because we were so anxious to speak and not listen. A lot of times when we get into discussions, I will call them friendly discussions at home with our our most close loved one. Sometimes a discussion will take place, and in that discussion, you're hearing things coming in your ear you don't want to hear, so you're so busy trying to fire off your response, you're really not listening to what's going on. You're so eager to correct the person next to you that you're not really listening to what they say. And then the frustration goes and goes and goes. I am so thankful I've never done that. (laughs) Nobody talk to my wife, please. It's interesting sometimes when you listen to Christians discuss things like politics, economics, faith, and other matters. When you listen to these discussions, you can hear many interesting human thoughts. But how often do we say, what would God's word say about this? What would God say about this? Not what some political party has to say or not what some philosopher has to say. What does God have to say about this? See, we have to be quick to listen to God. For us to be able to grow in Christ, we have to listen to God's word. And we have to have an eagerness to do that. It's not, okay, I'll open my Bible. Mm, I don't want to hear that. This is too hard. Let's watch a movie. No, we have to be eager to do that. And then the next thing he tells us in verse 19 is we're commanded to be slow to speak. Oh, boy. My Bible actually doesn't have that verse in, there, part of the verse in there. I don't know what happened to it. There's a hole in that page where that used to be. But Proverbs 17 tells us this. The truly wise person restrains his words. The one who stays calm is discerning even a fool who remains silent is considered wise. I can can understand that one. The one who who holds his tongue is deemed discerning. One of the things I've learned in life, but I don't always carry it out too well, is it's hard to listen when you're speaking. (laughs) You know, okay, we can walk and chew gum, but we can't listen and speak at the same time. It's hard to listen while we're speaking. Now, remember the book of Job? <clears throat> Job's an interesting book. Job was going through terrible things in his life. It wasn't because he did anything wrong. And his friends saw, that what was, saw what was going on. They sat with him for seven days, man. They watched his agony. They saw him taking the pottery and scraping the boils off of his skin. They saw the pain that he was in. And they did what a good friend would do. They were there. It's called a ministry of presence. They seemed slow to speak. God bless them. But finally they had enough They had enough They finally had to open their mouths And they'd have been better off just keeping them zipped But they couldn't do it Their words came back to haunt them And our words come back to haunt us Because many times And social media has made this so much worse I mean it's easy I've done it before you get upset And you fire something off And you're like oops (laughs) Should have thought about that before I said that It's easy to do But when he talks about us being slow to speak, it goes along with being quick to listen, to give contemplation to what you're about ready to pour out of your mouth. Sometimes in a friendly discussion in in home life, what ends up happening is people start speaking quickly and they start saying things that are very hurtful. I didn't mean that. Well, if you didn't mean it, you wouldn't have said it. And so we really have to be slow to speak the person who's slow to speak is thinking, what would God want me to say? What is God, going back to, 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 to uh, what we talked about earlier, what would God have to say about this? Before I put my foot in my mouth or before I damage the person I love or before I damage people around me, what would God want me to say here? It's making sure that what we're going to say is also true before we say it. Boy, the conspiracy world's full of stuff that sometimes it's true, many times it's not. But boy, it sure fits the narrative. As Christians, before we pass things on, we, we need to make sure that it's true. We need to fact check things. And sometimes it's easy to read something, and say, oh, or catch a headline, and I've done this before. Oh, look at this. Not read it, and you pass it on, and you find out, oh, that's not what it was. So being slow to speak isn't just a mouth issue. <clears throat> it's whatever we put out there. We need to make sure it's true. I've had people come to me before a service, and say, hey, I want you to read this. And my response is, no, I need to look at, I need to look at it first to make sure it's right. And then they get mad and get mad at me. the part, the, um, the next part of the verse tells us also, boy, this one was really hard for me for a long time. Be slow to anger. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine says, "Someone with great understanding is slow to anger, but the one who has a quick temper exhibits folly." Boy, I don't like that passage. That one hits a little too close to home. But see, can't God give us a break? He gave us those first two things to not do. Can't we just get angry really quick and get it over with? <laughs> see, I used to let my anger drive me. As a matter of fact, when I played, I played football, my anger drove me. I was so angry at things in the world that I just could not wait to just drill somebody as hard as I could. With no regard to what happened to him. I just wanted to hit people. Legally. So football gave me that opportunity. But the problem with letting anger drive you is you know what will happen? Is It will drive you over a cliff. It will destroy you and it will destroy everything around you and everyone that you love. When we look at the world around us, it's so easy just to lash out in anger. Our anger will, anger will blind us to what God is trying to teach us. When you're so full of rage, you won't listen to reason. You're going to say things you shouldn't say. You're going to go off the handle and you're going to destroy people. Lashing out in anger will make us feel better for a moment, maybe, but it won't solve anything, and ultimately, it will cause more problems. Verse 20 is a punctuation point to verse 19. says that our anger will not make things the way God wants them to be. Our anger will not bring about righteousness. As a matter of fact, it will do the opposite. Our anger will not make our conduct right before God. We can't say, well, you made me mad, so this is what I did, and God's going to be behind me. It just won't. Let's look at verses 20 to 24. Or 21 to 24, so it says this. So put away all filth and evil ex- excess and humbly re- welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save your souls. But be sure to live out the message and do not merely listen to it so you deceive yourselves. For someone who merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes in the mirror at his own face, at his own face in the mirror, and he gazes at himself, and then he goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. You know, this doesn't get any easier. So next we have a more difficult command. I mean, we go from the the, the frying pan right into the fire. Verse 21 boils down to ridding oneself of our old nature if you want to just kind of summarize those passages, it's getting rid of that old nature, that old way of life, that old way of responding to things. My old way of life was anger, to respond in anger, to lash out in anger, to be driven by anger, to let anger make even, on the positive side, it helped me achieve some things because I'm like, I'll show you. But overall, that's the old nature. Instead of being angry, Christians are called to rid themselves of evil. Put away is actually an, a metaphor of taking off a set of clothes and putting on another. Thus, Christians are put away to f- the filthy clothing of hasty speech, anger, all kinds of evil, and we're to put on Christ. The metaphor to put away and to put on occurs many places in the New Testament. And it may refer to a change of life that takes place at baptism when you look at Romans chapter 13, Ephesians 4, and many other passages because we are clothing ourselves with Christ. Well, to do that, we have to take off the old self. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us we're a new creation. Well, you can't be what you were and be a new creation. You can't do them both at the same time. This is just basically another way of speaking of the new birth that we are as a new creation in Christ. Ridding oneself of old habits Old ways, old ways of thinking, old attitudes is not easy, is it? <clears throat> it is very difficult. Sometimes the task is, almost looks insurmountable. But the ability to successfully do this is to understand that when you are baptized into Christ, you have God's Spirit within you. And God's Holy Spirit is there to help you to do this. Part of getting rid of one's, one's, uh, one's, one's junk in life is to be able to do that is we have to focus on what we're to do and not what we aren't to do. We put our focus on what God calls us to do. Many times as Christians, we're against everything. Well, what are we for? What are we standing for? And that's where our focus needs to be. We also need to understand that the Holy Spirit is in there working with us, trying to help us say, hey, you don't want to go there. You don't want to say that. You don't want to be thinking that. So a man thinks, so is he. And so the Spirit is trying to change us our desire should be to look intently toward God's word. And then as we look at that word, we look to live out that message. And in verses 22 to 23, living out the message is compared to one looking into a mirror. Now, back then, they didn't have the nice mirrors we had. Generally, it was polished metal and some other things that were rather crude, but they kind of got the job done. But we usually, when we go to a mirror, why do we go to the mirror? We go to see what's there. Some of us go. Some people go say, I "Look how good I'm. I'm looking good here," but we go to see. Okay, is my hair messed up? You know, am I bleeding to death because I misused my razor? You know, what's going on here? We're trying to get an assessment before we go out into public. And so, when we see something, the goal is when we see in the mirror. Let's say your hair is just a just a mess. Although that might be in style now. And I, some of you're like, "Hey, I don't have a lot to get messed up. Mine's not as luscious as it used to be. I, I'm so jealous of Jerry. He's got that lock, those locks. But anyway." When you see that, you don't just say, oh, man, my hair is a train wreck. I'm going out on a date or whatever. And, you, and then you just walk away. See, your goal is to find the issue and to fix it. If you look in the mirror and you see a smudge on your face or you smile and you see spinach <laughs> hanging out of your teeth, you know, you're there to try to improve your appearance. But what James is saying here is the person who looks in the mirror and doesn't put into action what they're called to put in that. They're like that person that looks and they totally forget. They're self deceived, thinking, oh, that spinach in my tooth, that's okay. Oh, that chicken rooster hair I've got going, that's not a problem. Oh, the blood running down my face because I cut myself shipping, no problem. You just forget it and you go out in public and people start snickering. Or some people look and see if they got toilet paper caught on them. <laughs> I've seen videos of that happening. But the same way is the one who hears the word and doesn't do it has forgotten the ethical demands of the word. And they've deceived themselves into thinking, well, I'm already okay. I don't need this. The one who hears the word, the one who looks at the word and turns and walks away with no intent on fixing what needs to be fixed is the height of foolishness. Because we go to the word in part to say, God, how can I get closer to you? How can I be more like you? And if you just read the word as a speed reading course, just say, check, I got it done, check, I got it done. That's really not the way to do it. I mean, there's a place to go through the Bible in a year. I'm not against that. But our goal of reading Scripture should be transformation, not just information. It's transformation from the information. And so sometimes you may only read one passage in the morning, <clears throat> maybe part of a passage, because you're going for transformation. And we're looking at that word intently and sing, just like we're looking in the mirror and say, okay, Lord, no, I don't want to say what's wrong with me. I don't mean it that way. But Lord, what, what, where do I need to grow? What are you telling me here? Because God speaks to you through the word. Huh. If we look at that word and walk away, we'll never change our direction. We'll never overcome the faults. We'll never deal with the anger. We'll always be slow, you know, slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger. Let's move to verse 25. It says this. But the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty and fixes his attention there and does not become a forgetful listener, but one who lives it out, he will be blessed in what he does. So our third observation is the key to successfully obeying the command that we've been given. Verse 25, really, if you want to boil down the passage, it's all about focus. It's about focus. The perfect law of liberty, the gospel, the gospel, is the mirror for our soul. It is the mirror which our soul should be looking into. Just like the metal mirrors of that day where people would look at their face, the perfect law of liberty is what we're looking at. The word peers, by the way, the one is in, the, in, the, in the passage where it talks about us peering into it, when you go back here to the one who peers in the law of liberty, that word denotes putting forth extra effort to see something that's not in your line of sight that if you don't make the extra effort to see, you won't see it. It, This same phrase was used of Peter, John, and Mary Magdalene when they went to the tomb. You know, just standing out there, they couldn't see it. So it says they peered inside looking to see because they're investigating. They're trying to find out and ascertain what happened. And so when we peer at the law of liberty, when we peer at the gospel, we're going to, we're making the effort. We're trying to see what we don't see that's straight in front of us. It gives us a picture of fiercely searching through the scriptures to hear God's message because it's the message that we want to live by. The perfect law of liberty is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the gospel sets us free. Galatians 5.1 reminds us, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And then in John 8.32, we are told, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And there are no truer words than that. Jesus did not die on the cross to enslave us. He did not die on the cross to make our lives miserable. He did not die on the cross to make sure we didn't have fun in life. He died on the cross so that we could have eternal life. Our, the word of God has been to, given to us so that we can achieve the best in, that life has to offer because of our faith in Christ. God did not give what he gave us so that he could keep us enslaved, ruin our lives, and make sure we're just bummed out all the time. He gave these things to us because he loves us. Any parent who loves their children gives them guidelines and discipline because they're trying to help that child maximize the potential of their life and not ruin it or end it prematurely. This is what God does. It's what a good parent does. If we are successful in living out the message, if we're going to be successful on it, our focus has to be on the message. We are not called to glance at the message, but we're called to fix our attention to the message and let it impact us, let it transform us, and not forget it. James focuses on the choice that we have to make to hear the word of God and walk away or hear the word of God and then follow the word of God and live it out. Benjamin Franklin was famously quoted this in his, in Poor Richard's Almanac, he said this, a job, excuse me, a well, let me try that again, well done is better than well said. Well done is better than well said. And of course, James talks about the issue of faith, he insists, uh, he talks about good works, but those two things are not mutually exclusive. Martin Luther did not like the book of James, by the way. But what we find here is James says that our true faith will come out as we hear it and as we put it into practice. This teachings in, the teachings in James are no different than what Paul taught, no different than what Jesus taught, for instance, on the Sermon on the Mount. The appeal of James is the same as the rest of the New Testament writers. But what we have to do is we have to make a decision, a conscious decision. Am I going to allow my walk to match my talk? Am I going to let my walk match who I am in Christ? Our application this morning is simple. Followers of Jesus are called to act upon the faith they've been given with concrete acts of love and obedience and just living it out. This morning, our praise team is going to come and lead us in a song of decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come forward this morning to do that. God loves you God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so you could have eternal life with him. Not just a few years, not just 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, but eternal life. So that is so hard to grasp at times because, man, things get tough at times. People are cruel, but God's not. This morning, if you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come forward this morning during our Song of Decision you can confess him as your Lord, you put your faith in him, to repent to him of your sins, to meet him in the baptismal waters, you're going to rise and you're going to walk in a newness of life. If that's what you need, we'd love to have you come forward. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. And if you're struggling and life is just really getting you down and need prayer, come forward. We'd be glad to lift you up in prayer together, myself or one of our elders, Roger. But at this time, if you have a decision, we invite you to come forward as we sing our song of decision Just a Closer Walk with Thee.
0: Us of how important prayer is to each of us as we live from day to day. With that in mind, I want to take a minute to just say thank you to each and every one of you <coughs> who prayed for me after I had my fainting spell Wednesday night at practice. Um, your prayers worked, and they found nothing more than simply dehydration, lack of food, Need to talk to my wife about that. <laughs> a little stress and um, old age. <laughs> that doctor said, they worked on me until midnight, and the doctor said, uh, go home, drink lots of water, eat properly, and relax for a few days. So many thanks to you for your prayers. In John 15, verses 13 and 14, Jesus is speaking and he says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Then in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Sacrifice has been central in man's relationship with God from the very beginning. Throughout the Old Testament, there is much emphasis given to its importance in, in how we worship God. When you really search the scriptures regarding worship, very bluntly, there can be no adequate worship without sacrifice. After Adam and Eve uh, in, were in the garden or sinned in the Garden of Eden, the first sacrifice was made when God killed an animal to get some covering for Adam and Eve to cover their shame before him. The patriarchs of old brought their sacrifices to God as they appeared before him in worship. Later in the services of the uh, tabernacle and then later the temple, included in in these services was the sacrifice of animals for their worship to be pleasing to God. You see... The act of sacrifice is a recognition that sin has separated man from God and that for sin sin, there must be the ultimate sacrifice uh, to atone for our sin. Why has God chosen sacrifice as a means whereby we might be made right with him? I believe it is because life is the most precious thing that each of us have. Nothing is more precious to us than our own life. And when we sacrifice life, we are presenting God the best and the most loved thing that we have. We're showing Him that we are willing to give up our best for Him. Certainly, He was willing to give up His best his most loved thing even Jesus in a sacrificial act to show us that we are important to him what about today what do we sacrifice to show God that he's important to us once again a life must be given our life must be given Surrendered in service, surrendered in love, surrendered in gratitude. The Lord's Supper, I believe, is the central is central in our worship experience because it represents Jesus' sacrifice of his life for us. And our observance of the communion is a special time to renew our commitment to living a sacrificial life life for him. The old hymn makes us stop and think. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou mightst ransomed be and quickened from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? Renew your commitment to sacrifice as you partake today. Father, we thank you that you were willing to make that ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, your son's life on the cross, and all that he had to go through to make that sacrifice for us. Help us to be willing to sacrifice our lives in surrendered service to him who died for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: inside of your bulletin we have our announcements for this week um hey jerry are you guys having youth tonight okay are you having study on wednesday okay jerry's groups are meeting tonight he'll have study on wednesday young at hearts meeting monday Catherine, Arbonne, or or katherine I, I i'm not getting the words out Catherine is going to be our guest speaker it's in the bulletin uh we don't have bible study for the adults this week Prime time, we're going to be going to Olive Garden, and if you would like to go to that, please sign up by Tuesday at five, so we can get you on the list. Narrow Path, we're going to Empire Ranch. Uh, Andrea and I scouted it out yesterday, and I got a little bump, bump in my truck from it, so I'm kind of bummed about that. But don't know how I did it. But anyway, uh, we're going to go there. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet. Make sure you sign up for some different foods you'll bring, because we're, we're going to do a cookout, at, hopefully at the place where, there's a place there that's really nice for that. Um, also um, Operation Christmas Child is looking for donations of school supplies and other things you can see that in the bulletin Uh, we're going to be hosting a Singspiration on the 30th at 5pm everybody's invited to join please bring sandwiches to share and I think that's everything that we have that we need for the announcements oh uh, Jan Lang is still looking for empty rectangular Kleenex boxes so if you can help her with that that'd be great also today at 4pm if you're on the missions ministry team don't forget we have a meeting today it should last about 30 minutes um, we have a lot of prayers that we're looking, for, looking at. Please look, go through our prayer concern list. Uh, people are recovering from things and, struggling and going through uh, rec- uh, getting ready for surgery, so please pray with the, for them. We have troops who are deployed that we're praying for. We have our shut-ins that we're lifting up. We're also praying for all the missions that we support this month, along and then our outreach is Operation Christmas Child. So we encourage you to do that. At this time, let's stand together. And I'll give you a moment to lift your heart in prayer, and then I'll close this with a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful we could come together today, and we thank you for everyone who is lifting their hearts up to you for all the concerns that we have in our bulletin. Pray that we take those home and continue to focus on them through the week. Lord, as we li- leave this place today, I pray we leave with joy and that we're ready to serve and to show the world how- the difference that you've made in our life and so that we can tell them about you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you for joining us for church this morning. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, everybody.